with us. I'm here with my good buddy, Caleb. How's it going, Caleb? It's great, Mark. We get to be together in person. That never happens. That never happens. He's from the West Coast. I'm from here in North Carolina. It's very odd to be doing the podcast and actually like seeing him not on a monitor. Uh, It is odd. Today, we're going to be talking about... San Diego. He's from San Diego. Yes. Don't you feel sorry for me? (laughs) I feel very sad for him. Not really. Um, But we're going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder today. Uh, I also want to welcome our special guest from also from North Carolina. Uh, This is Bubba Big Bump. Uh, playing playing our theme music for us throughout the show, make him feel welcome. Uh, we are we're fortunate to have him. I, kn- I know him all the way back from the days when he was uh, uh, Big Bump and Loki. Big Bump and Loki. And then now he has his own band, uh, Bump and the Stun Guns. Big Bump and Stun Guns since 1985. Absolutely. So if you hear about them, be sure to check them out, Google them, all of that good stuff. At Facebook, that's where they they live on their Facebook page. So so go see them there. Uh, we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org, dot, and uh, we encourage you to go and check them out there. Uh, we have over sixty six hundred pieces of resources for progressive Christians that's there. Incredible. Uh, uh, liturgies, uh, essays, all kinds of different things. So we encourage you to go check us out there. Also check the Moonshine Jesus show out. Uh, we're on Facebook. We'd love to have you follow us on the Facebook page. Also, everywhere you get your podcast, you can sign up for the Moonshine Jesus show. We appreciate it. Quick notes on the format of the show. We're going to geek out for a few minutes on watching Thor. And so this is not spoiler free. You're going to hear stuff that you may not want to hear if you haven't seen the show. But uh, we'll be doing that. We, then we'll quickly turn into more of a theological, political kind of discussion of things that we pulled out of the movie. Uh, and then the final segment, and this is where we're going to want you to, to participate. We, it's usually called Make Me Look Stupid, where mm-hmm. we try to make each other look stupid yeah. uh, w- with a question that we don't think the other person can answer. Well, we're going to reverse it and let you make us look stupid. Yeah. So and pay, you'll succeed. And you will. Yeah, we promise will. you you're going to yeah. do well at this. Yeah, you're going to do very well <laughs> at this. Uh, but we encourage you to listen throughout the show and see what questions it might bring up. We do ask that the questions still relate to uh, Thor, God of Thunder, and, and the, the political, theological, and there's probably more theological stuff that we bring up as well. That said, well, oh, I do want to mention for that part as well, everyone who asks a question, we have uh, some Shine Jesus Shine t-shirts in various sizes, and we'll invite you to take one of those in, in exchange for your questions. So we appreciate that. We might have some opportunities to give them away other than that as well. I bet we will. Yeah. I bet we will. Absolutely. And you all are drinking something today. This is called the Hammer of Thor, and it is vodka, cranberry juice, and lager. So we always have a themed cocktail with whatever we are talking about. And this is the first time Mark and I have ever been drinking the same thing. Absolutely. And in a Moonshine Jesus show jug, no less. We usually surprise each other, but this was it made a lot of sense that we're together for the first time. Have yeah. the same drink and share it with our friends who yeah. showed up. So, cheers, so cheers everybody. everybody. Here's to a good show. And thank you all for being here. If you do decide that you want a cocktail and you're coming in late, there are cocktails over here. There's beer in the cooler and there are little koozies if you would like those as well. So, Mark, you and I are big Marvel fans. I know. Probably a little too big. Are you all Marvel fans? I am big. Anyone? Kind of. Come on. Some Marvel (laughs) fans. Well, we are. Absolutely. Yes. And so one of the joys of our lives is getting to watch superhero movies, drink, and talk about theology and politics. (laughs) Right. So we're going to move into theology and politics in a few minutes, but we want to geek out a little bit about this new superhero movie as we drink and talk about them. So... This is not a spoiler-free zone, as Mark reminded us. And today we are talking about Thor Love and Thunder. It is the fourth Thor movie following the hugely successful Thor Ragnarok. Thor Love and Thunder satisfies our need for nostalgia with 80s-inspired love adventures with 
uh, screaming goats, <laughs> hairband music, yep, yep. Norse gods, and of course, Natalie Reportman returning this time as Mighty Thor. Mm. And the movie theater I was at applauded as soon as I saw her, so that Absolutely. was pretty cool. So, you know, uh, they all unite together, and they try to stop Gore, the god butcher, from eliminating all gods. So, Mark, I want to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Okay, so this movie is inspired by uh, the 80s. and in oh, my absolutely, In yeah. my opinion, you know, the, the 80s was all about going big, right? It's about, like, big uh, hair. Big hair. Big, big shoulder shoulders. pads. <laughs> Sam, we went to the, the right, exact same right. place, okay, right? Yeah, and yeah, a I big sound in music. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, I want to know mm. what you think in Thor Love and Thunder. What was the biggest moment? What was the biggest, like, kind of metal moment? Like, oh, like, the biggest metal Yeah, moment. I want to know the biggest metal moment in Thor Love and Thunder. What do you think? Oh, okay. I've got mine. But I want to well, see what you well, say. Of course you yeah. have yours. Of you knew you were asking the question. question. <laughs> uh, so, uh, for me, and I can't remember what song might have been playing, but when Thor is saving the, 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 the church, the glass church area and he gets up and he has his he, he has uh the axe and he yeah, yeah. throws it and he goes after him and uh you know it's just this big fight scene they're playing heavy metal behind it and then uh he after it looks like he's saved them all and he's like minimal destruction in the background the whole the whole cathedral just <laughs> crashes all the way in that felt like a big metal moment lots of crashing and noise and so i'm gonna go with that i love that and then this was like their sacred temple and uh they're like we don't want to talk about that we don't want to talk about that here's my favorite all right my favorite was when thor took uh zeus's lightning bolt and threw the lightning bolt through Ooh, the zeus, heart zeus. of zeus and, and and got Zeus. Uh, that, that was a pretty, pretty metal. Big. That was That's pretty, pretty metal. big, right? I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give yeah, you that I, sure. I don't know that there's any metal music, but it felt but to me like there a... There should have been if there, there was. Should've there should have been. There absolutely should have been. It was been a metal wasn't. moment. So I have another question for you. Okay, all right. Okay, you ready? I thought we were saying you make me look stupid till the end. Uh, no, no, I, I, I always try, there you, you go, know, and go. I never succeed. You always oh, you, you <laughs> always end up making me look stupid. All right, go ahead. But here, okay. I'm going to take a drink first. This is... This is something that, of course, was on my mind the yep. whole time. I love Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies, probably of all time. I loved it. But here's my question. Mm. Do you think Thor Love and Thunder lived up to Thor Ragnarok? <sighs> what, what, do you think it was a worthy successor? Okay. Or so what do you think? So here's the thing. There is actually, for those who aren't Marvel freaks like we are, there's this big argument going on about whether or not this new movie is worth watching because it... Thor Ragnarok was kind of like the perfect Thor movie. It really. was great. It was amazing. It was fun. A lot Here, of adventure. Yeah. Here's the thing. I happen to know, know that Watiti, who was the director, was very intentionally not trying to remake Ragnarok. Right. So I think it was a very good follow-up in that Ragnarok was just kind of a fun romp. And uh -huh. it was just kind of there lots of jokes and lots of incredible visuals. But let's be honest, the storyline wasn't particularly complicated, and there wasn't, wasn't a lot of deep theological or statements being made. Nope. I think in this movie, he, he turns, he keeps the humor, he keeps the mm. bright, brilliant colors that we kind of get uh, from, from a couple of different recent uh, Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. But there's so much going on. I mean, it's essentially hard to believe this is a superhero movie that's actually a, a rom-com. Yes. I mean, it's a rom it's a rom-com slash horror movie, right? Yeah. Basically. Who knew that was even but, possible? I know. It seems perfect, right? <laughs> uh, who wouldn't make that movie? I, uh, why that hasn't movie? it been made before? But I do okay. think there was some really interesting thing going on that we didn't see in the earlier ones. In particular, uh, both with Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer, yep. uh, and then, uh, what's his name? The Necro Sword, uh -huh. which turned the main bad guy, Gore, the god killer, yeah. uh, both of those had these implications about what gods are and what uh -huh. gods aren't and how do they matter and, and how do we respond when, the, when there's a god that's not that seemingly uncaring about what's happening in the world. So I felt like he took all the kind of best entertaining parts of Ragnarok yeah. and then he pulled those in to keep us engaged, but then he told a much more complex story that has some real, I think, strong theological implications that could lead to questions that we, we we live in for a while thinking about i mean what do you think yeah i i think you're right so it was a lot of fun and uh i agreed i've been following the conversations is is it uh worth doing or not but I, it was fun it was fun to watch and i think 
it was making a lot of powerful theological statements. Right. Uh, so, uh, which I know we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes, but I, I love the fact that it was centered around the whole idea of death and an afterlife and, yes. uh, and how that was kind of the framing theological question, which is something you don't necessarily expect from a Marvel, <laughs> a Marvel movie, superhero movie. Right? Yeah, you don't go in uh, kind of act, uh, expecting to hear these existential questions explored in any meaningful way. Right. But, but we really did. I, I think we did and I, yeah. a matter of fact I think if you go back and watch it a second time you're going to find more levels of, mm. of questions that are coming up about what good are gods and yeah. what's a good god compared to what's not a good god uh, and we can we'll get to some of that in our next segment but yeah. I thought that part was all really really interesting uh, yeah. how did you think they did because there really were there were several I yeah, mean yeah. it was a comedy it was a rom-com yeah. it was a horror movie uh, it was a, 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 a movie about all the gods yes uh, so how did you think that that went in terms of coming in and out of them because I've heard a lot of complaints it feels like yeah. it's all over the place I know I I actually I kind of liked it and I think you know if you're two levels of nerd this was a particularly enjoyable <laughs> film right so like if you're a theology nerd and you're like a comic book nerd it's great because you get to delve into like Greek mythology and uh, other ancient Near East mythology and you get to dig into like deeper superhero lore and so in that case for me it was a really enjoyable movie because you got to really geek out and yeah. so I thought I wonder if everyone else in the it's theater enjoying this is as enjoying I this as much I had, as I am but I, I was sure enjoying it I was too I, yeah. I know I have the same thought I do have I only have as many people who are out there complaining you I actually only have one yeah. complaint about Don't the worry. movie here's my complaint one of the great things that Marvel's being is is doing right now is that they're not all the superheroes aren't any longer old white men right right what, right like we talked about coming from Marvel. two white men on yeah. a podcast yeah, yeah. like oh then they're great they're yeah. not all white men. <laughs> but, thank god they don't look like us anymore like i look like a superhero or something that's not true uh but but here's the part that actually this is the part that actually bothered me a little bit so we get we get uh, we get new thor right yeah we get mighty thor yes natalie portman yes what do you th what do you think about the fact that at the end of the movie, after we get this incredible new character, she, she dies? dies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was your? What, I mean, it's like, what are they doing? Like through the whole movie, you're like, yeah, yeah this there is she is. Like, yeah, this she's even showing the original Thor up in some of the battles and stuff. It's incredible. And, and, and Mjolnir, and, his hammer, actually favors her, which is right. fantastic. I'm loving it. Yeah. And it, then he and, gets his hammer back. Yeah, and she dies because she dies, so he gets the hammer back. But, yeah. I, but I mean, and, and it's not in battle either. I, I, that's right. But she still ends up in Valhalla, right? We're gonna have to talk about that, I imagine. Oh uh, yes, of course we will. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was, it so was kind was of a my, bummer. That would be my big complaint. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer. It was kind of yeah. a bummer. You could have done a lot better with. Well, we'll talk about that. Maybe they, maybe they are gonna do better. Maybe they are. We'll I, I think they are. Yeah, we'll see. We'll okay, see. so let's let's drop. But before we do, um, who ha has anyone finished their cocktail? Has anyone finished your car? You have. Okay, you get a shirt. <laughs> you kind of raise your hand. You get a shirt. Yeah. You get a shirt. Okay, come come pick out your size. Pick out whatever size you want right there. Now, how about this? Uh, they're stacked, I think, from small to larger. Oh, you uh, but you can't call it. Yeah, that's, that's okay. okay. We, we value honesty, you know? Anyone no, else, anyone it, else is going to make it. this drink when they get home? Anybody yes. going to actually try to make you, this drink? You too. I saw your you, hand you come up. Come grab too. yourself a shirt. You get shirts too. Absolutely. Absolutely. There'll be more to be given away later. Uh, come on up. Grab a shirt. We'll, we'll, this is all we have, though. So just know that when we get to the end, this is where we're going. But we, <laughs> the ratios are uh, <laughs> six part cranberry, for weird. four part uh, um, <laughs> vodka, three parts lager, six four three with cranberry vodka lager. So, so that that's the mixture. It well well I don't yours, know. Your, <laughs> I, these particular ones are 12 ounces of uh, uh it's uh yeah, 12 ounces of cranberry, 8 ounces of vodka. Actually, I think it's a little bit more than that. So, yeah, it won't kill you to drink the whole thing, but you'll feel great after you do, <laughs> which is really the bigger part. Which that's, is kind of the goal, theme, it's right? the theme of the show is to yeah, have a good time. While we actually do do some theology, and I promise you, we're about to do theology. Let's do it. Let's, Let's listen to the drop, and you all can pick out your shirts as we're as we're listening to the music, and we start the next segment. Hit it, sir. <laughs>
Okay, we are heading into our what we call our theopolitical segment, a politico segment of our show. Sometimes we go very heavy politics, sometimes we go very heavy theology. I think you've already heard from what we've been watching in the show that we're probably going to lean pretty heavy theology here. I think here. so. That was my thought. So, so I, I want to start with, so one of the main scenes is there's this giant scene where they go to this place where all the gods hang out. Uh -huh. And I mean all the all gods, including the god of Baal. Yeah, that's right. All of them. From all of them. All the planets. From Zeus to the little bitty god of Baal. And yeah. they're all there. So, and I'm going to talk about Zeus, though. First of all, I think we learned, one, for, for real, never meet your heroes, because that did not work out for <laughs> Thor at, at all. Yeah. But I want to talk about a particular quote. The quote where Zeus says, if you don't shut up, you won't get invited to the orgy. I think that's the wrong quote. It's not, you won't get invited to the orgy. That's a different quote. Here's the quote that I actually, <laughs> that's the best, that, that's he the did quote. say that. He, he did, did say, say that. Yeah. But I'm not sure that's really the one I meant to go with. So here's the one I meant to go with. Zeus, in, in this very rare, like, serious moment, yeah. uh -huh. Zeus says this. It used to be that being a god, it meant something. People would whisper your name before sharing their deepest hopes and dreams. They begged for your mercy without ever knowing if you were actually listening. Yeah. Now, when they look to the sky, they don't ask us for lightning. They don't ask us for rain. They just want to see one of their so-called superheroes. When did we become mm -hmm. the joke mm. so here's my question we've got yep. all of these gods uh -huh. right yep. and here they are being sort of self-reflective you got to realize this movie opens up with a man in the desert cradling his daughter right and praying to his god yeah and she, even the daughter is drawing pictures of the god on the one rock that's yes. in the middle of the desert Very and the, the the whole course of the movie is set off because the he's been praying to the god uh -huh. and the daughter dies yeah and so this question from Zeus, who's really a comic relief character, becomes really interesting yeah. when you put it into a more modern context mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, we're in this space where, at least in the past many, many decades, mm -hmm. we're beginning to have to come up with more and different understandings of the providence of God. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, how do you think his statement about when did we become the joke relates to our ever-changing and hopefully growing understanding of the providence of God? Yeah, I, so I think that we tend in American culture to view Jesus in particular as a superhero, right? A lot of churches oh, yeah. theme vacation Bible school around hey. Jesus as a superhero. One of the last Superman movies literally had frequently Superman in space in a, cross. In a full cross position. And so it's clear that even, yeah. even in, in, in our pop culture, there is this need somehow to associate Superman and Jesus together. Uh, even though you look at the biblical text, there's really not a lot of support for that, right? There's not a lot of support. You know? And especially if you take a socio-historical context, right. you understand what Jesus was actually doing, and it wasn't about miracles, right? It was about creating inclusive community and breaking down walls. And so I think that the American need to see Jesus as a superhero is particularly interesting. Absolutely. And so I think that we have dumbed down the real message, right? Whenever we've made it about something supernatural, about uh, power, Hours that mm -hmm. we have dumbed down our responsibility in creating the kingdom of God, in creating this uh, this world where we're treating each other justly and kindly, and uh, we're working for this this uh, this peaceful kingdom that Jesus spent his whole uh, mm -hmm. ministry talking about. And so, I, I I think we've seen that reflection in the way that we relate to God in right. general as well, right? Because we're, we're thinking about God as like this this uh, this supernatural deity that we need. To, to please that somehow has the power to grant our wishes. This yeah. old guy in the sky right. who's going to... It's the, yeah. the, the great vending machine in the yeah. sky. <laughs> I pump, love pump that. Pump the prayers in and the, and, and the gifts come out, right? Which, you know, there yeah. was a time, particularly in, in yeah. mainline Christianity, that that was yeah. what the majority of folks understood. Yeah. <laughs> the sad part, maybe not the sad part, the real part is reality never really seemed to match up to that. It never did. <laughs> right. I, I love that quote of yours, Mark. That is That's the best. not my quote. Does anyone remember who first coined that term, the great it, bending machine in the sky? Uh, it may have been Ennis. I can't remember. Someone, and, and it stuck with me forever, which is really, well, uh, and it's sort of part of what Zeus is talking about yeah. in the quote I gave, is that yeah. you know th that we don't anymore throw up these, please bring rain, please. Yeah, Partly, yeah, yeah. I think, I hope it's because yeah. our theology is progressing. You're beginning to understand the providence of God a little bit better and how God may actually interact you know, in 
uh, our world and in human lives and, and doesn't necessarily pick and choose who gets the good life and who, who gets the bad life. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's important, and uh, especially since you know our societies have evolved in such a way that it's not just about like sustaining life, but it's about you know like granting those wishes and getting right. those vending machine things. And so, you know, um, one of the other things I think was very prominent, Mark, in, yeah. in this was the whole idea of the afterlife. It seemed like the yeah. whole show was about exploring this idea of what an afterlife, what it's going to be like. What was your take on that? What did you think about it? Um, I, I really kind of like the fact this is not this has been a recent theme in Marvel movies where mm -hmm. we're having lots of afterlives. Uh, we see it in Black Panther. We see it uh, in, in Moon Knight. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in Moon Knight, the, I can't remember the name of the goddess, but uh, the, the hippopotamus goddess basically says, look, all, all beliefs have their own afterlife that's based on their the plane that they live on and, and what they think of it. The interesting thing to me about the themes that run through the Marvel ones is people can go into it and come back from it. Hmm. Black Panther does it. Yeah. Uh, we see Moon Knight do it. Uh -huh. uh, and and when we get to our question oh, segment, maybe we'll talk maybe a little this bit. Gonna maybe, happen? maybe we'll talk a little bit about maybe that. Thor? So I, I thought it was really interesting. I love that they investigate it and then give and give some hope for it. Although I do think, honestly, folks, I think progressive Christianity. This is one of the places where we're falling short hmm. in terms of understanding the afterlife. What we're really good at is dismissing hell and any golden paved streets of heaven, yeah. which is fine biblically. That makes a lot of sense. What yeah. we're doing a very good job at. And part of that's because we do love the questions. We love living the questions and right. trying to. Yes. But this is such an important issue for folks at different points in their life to understand or have some idea what afterlife is like. We don't do a very good job of positing what it might be and, and what mm -hmm. the experience. Is it all ended? Is, is your energy going somewhere else? And I can tell you for folks who are going through loss and tragedy, the, the, who, who have been particularly recently introduced to progressive Christianity and are trying to figure out who we are within that, there is a big gap of there was, you know, I, I was literally told just a few weeks ago, there was comfort in knowing that my husband was going to be there waiting for me, whatever form that looked in. And progressive Christianity is playing kind of a fence game with what we really think or really isn't. I think that that might be part of the new future of what progressive Christianity needs to uh, re-emphasize and, and start working on. We need a lot of, of our larger thinkers beginning to consider that and putting something out there that we can hold on to a little more tightly. Mm. There's lots of pieces out there, but there's something about it that needs to be hopeful. Yeah. And I think that we see that call for hopefulness in this movie. Um, Gore the God Butcher who's the yes. man who's walking across the desert with his daughter. Right. She dies. He's been playing to his God. His God mm -hmm. doesn't show up. He kills his God and uh, gets this sword that causes him to want to kill all the gods. But part of it is that he's living in grief. Yeah. He asked his God to do something for me. And then this God turns out to not care at all. Not at all. And, and yeah. so from that point on, we have this guy that is set up as the, the bad, as Christian Bale, who yes. does a... He's phenomenal. Holy yeah. moly, amazing. One of the yeah. scariest Marvel villains I've seen in a long time. But yeah. but he's also this weirdly sympathetic. He is. Because he, his, his, he, his, yeah. his need to kill the gods are, I called out to you, yeah. and you let her die. Right, his guts You're, were What, what are you yeah. worth? I'm coming after you. Yeah. And so he's, he's really a bad guy who's living out of grief. Yeah. This is a grief response, and nothing's really provided to him to help him get past that grief response. I tell you what, I cannot tell you how appropriate it is in the middle of our show that the, that the truck that cleans out the, the, sand, the, the, the toiletries uh -huh. the, the, yeah. are, is driving by right in the middle. Like, it feels like the perfect commentary. It really feels like the perfect commentary on who we are. I love it. <laughs> but I, I really do think that this show begs that question is yeah. what makes a good God? Because he assumes yeah. because no God saved his daughter, all yeah. gods are bad and deserve to die. Yeah. And I think, I actually think the overarching umbrella of this show is to kind of investigate what makes a God 
good. I think you're right. I think that's very interesting because, you know, the god of uh, Christian Bale's character, you know, says your point in life is suffering. And how many Christians view their life as that, as, right. as something to suffer through and uh, get through to the end? And so as I was watching this, I kept thinking about Marcus Borg's quote that probably many of you know where he said, is there an afterlife? And if so, what will it be like? I don't have a clue, but I'm confident that the one who has buoyed us up in life will buoy us up in death. And so I I love that quote because I I was thinking exactly what you were thinking, Mark, that, Mm. uh, you know, we need to lean into this. And this is one of the most often question, the most question that I get as a pastor is like, well, what waits beyond us? And, uh, you know, how is that going to be like? And then. Uh, so I think leaning into that is something that, you know, yeah. people are interested and, you know, in exploring. There's a lot of interesting things that yeah. are going on with science in terms of par- parallel energy and, and we'll call them universes or, or realities that are that I think that if we, since since press Christianity is very open to understanding right. what science is, there's a lot to learn from that that I think we could be living more strongly into. I, but ultimately, the thing I love about this movie, and yeah. I use the word love specifically, is yeah. that I think, and you tell me if you believe this, the mm-hmm. ultimate answer is what makes a God matter mm-hmm. is love. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus over and over again says that God is love. So in San Diego, where I live, we're celebrating Pride Weekend this weekend. And I said over and over again to them that God is love. And the way that God uh, makes God's love known is by the way that we love one another. And so that when we go and love each other in the world, that we are making God's love manifest in the world. And so I think love is what it's all about. And I think Jesus gives us that criterion of love. And so if we're not living our lives in a way that passes a criterion of love we're not living authentic lives and i think if we're uh, we're like reading the bible in ways that don't pass the criterion of love then we're not reading the bible in an authentic way and so i think that uh love is what it's all about and that's what we really ultimately end up finding is is that the hero not just the the gods but the heroes that matter are the ones that actually exhibit some form of love um so we're about to head into our, our Make Me Look Stupid segment where Woo! you get to try to make us look stupid. And you will. And you will. It'll be easy, <laughs> so don't feel any real pressure. Right. Uh, just do keep it about anything you've heard today or the theology that we're talking about today. Reminder, there are a couple more mixed drinks. There is beer over there and some koozies if Woo! you'd like to put that in there. And as we go through this, as you ask a question... As soon as your question's been answered, feel free to come up and see if your size is left and grab yourself a T-shirt. Absolutely. Okay, Okay. we'll we'll turn a mic around for the questions. Awesome. All right, and you're going to come up and ask your question, and then you can can get your uh, shirt while you're up here. We can share a microphone here. And so we're going to take a quick drop with some music, and we'll be back on the other side of the break. mentioned we usually do this make me look stupid section and you are going to make us look stupid and it looks like we have our first contender to make us look stupid i love that someone's already so eager to make i'm us look very they know we're gonna fantastic. yeah well, you mentioned something about um in marvel how they uh people are going in and out of the afterlife right? yes okay so in christian theology you know we have death and resurrection so yes. is is resurrection then a similar thing where we are coming out of the afterlife I think that this is a great question, and I think the way that it applies to the Marvel Universe and their afterlife is very intriguing because we do – so we have folks that go into the afterlife and remain there, the people that are dead, really dead. Uh, but we also have these folks who go into the afterlife and experience something of enlightenment, and each afterlife has sort of its own version of what enlightenment looks like. It might be uh, – um, 
enter uh, having a moment to, to talk with your ancestors and hear their perspectives on everything. It, it might be just a, a sharper view of the present, but there's lots of different views, but there is this enlightenment that happens. And then the folks do come back and almost always, it, so it's their own little personal resurrection. And in a lot of ways, they're a very different person as they come back and it, a, a better person, which is pretty hopeful in the long run that may, maybe this afterlife and whatever it is and what we end up being there and seeing there, we, we advance even more as, as we learn from it. I mean, what do, you, what do you think? I think it's a great question. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that uh, as Christians in the 21st century, this is something that we really need to, uh, we really need to wrestle with. And uh, I think that folks who are struggling with this question also find uh, a certain liberation and honesty in saying that, you know what, um, we don't know what happens when we die. Uh, it may not be the golden streets that we uh, <laughs> that people have talked about in theology or that we see in, uh, in Valhalla in the Marvel movies, but you know what, that, uh, that we want to know what happens with us uh, when we die, and I think there's a certain freedom in saying, you know what, no one has any idea, and if people tell you that they know exactly what happens, don't believe them run because away. Run that's away. right. <laughs> run away because nobody knows. And so I had a, a, a conversation with someone uh, about this recently who was invoking the right to die in California. That's something that we can do. And so someone who is really struggling with their life and you know saying, I don't have any quality of life and I want to invoke my right to die. And is that sinful? And, you know, I, I sat with her and heard her story and said, you don't need to feel bad about this. You know, our God is a loving God who, uh, who we know through uh, our loving relationships in our lives. And um, our God wants us to, to live happy and productive lives. And if your life is not like that, there is no shame. There is no sinfulness in saying that, you know what? I can't live anymore. And I think that, you know, us being able to embrace this, uh, this mystery, right. too, to say that we don't know what's going on after we die, but we know that our God is a, a God who has promised to never abandon us, no matter what it is we're going through in our lives, is particularly important. And I think, yes, uh, to embrace the mystery, but I do still think that progressive Christianity, in a lot of ways, compared to like mainline theology and everything is is fairly young and fairly new and 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 I do think we still need to investigate that a lot more deeply in much the same ways we do other pieces where we do bring in science where we we do look deeper into the original text of the Bible and begin to have at least something to offer that's a little more hopeful than the mystery like I think we need to have the mystery we need to recognize it understand it and be able to live into it but I think it's also helpful to have a, at least some options that here are what some of the things that we're currently learning that might help us understand a little more clearly whatever is next might look like. Yeah. That's a fair criticism, Mark. And I, I love the fact that you mentioned what we're learning from the science, right? Because we've recently seen these incredible images from the Webb tel uh, Telescope, right? And so we know that uh, that wonderful Carl Sagan quote, right? That we are stardust, right? Stardust. And right, and to stardust we shall return, right? So we, we don't know exactly what happens, but we do know that we live on, that like the molecules within us become what is next. And uh, I think that's incredible to embrace as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Any more? Let's, let's have a few more questions from the, the audience. Does anybody have something they're thinking of? I don't want to have to answer his questions. Like, I, I'd I rather. Have some. I know. <laughs> of course I do. I, I've got questions too. So please come over. You answer first this time. Okay. okay. Uh, fair enough. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I have a total handle on what this question is, but yeah. uh, I don't, I've only seen one Marvel movie, Black Panther, yeah. but I was struck mm -hmm. by uh, sort of a Manichaean kind of sensibility there, right? There's good, there's good guys, yeah. there's bad guys, yeah. right? The bad guys are really bad. The good guys are really good. Yeah. How does that... It doesn't feel like Christian theology identifies and uh, identifies those two sets of characters. Yeah. Like, who are the villains? Uh -huh. Like, I don't see the villains necessarily. Like, I mean, obviously, Pontius Pilate and stuff. But, <laughs> right. um, but it doesn't seem the same way, right? Uh, it seems like uh, 
it seems like there's a sort of good and evil fighting thing that goes, and that's like part of Norse mythology, as I understand it as well. But but Christianity, I think, wants to redeem what who the villain is rather than destroy them. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you how do you understand that theologically? Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, Mark gave me the microphone, and then he has an answer. Uh, well, I was like, if you don't want this, I can at least start in, in looking into this. So I actually think it's interesting. I love this question because I feel like Marvel's progressing because um, right up until that movie, and I think that movie, I think you nailed it. It's very much good, bad, and there's not a lot of in, in between there. It's kind of one of the things I love about Thor uh, Love and Thunder is that even the bad guy – is actually redeemable. At the end of the movie, when it's revealed to him that his daughter can be saved and that there's folks who actually feel love towards him, regardless of the fact that he's been out here and these, the, all the universe is killing all the gods, where he is completely redeemable. And it's a character, like I said, it's a fairly symp sympathetic character because we know while he's out here being this horrific person in terms of how most of the world's going to be looking at him, He's doing it out of this deep sense of grief and a sense of, I've been taught, I've been told the world has, has dictated to me that gods care about us and respond to us, and so I have this expectation of my God that they didn't live up to. And so he's a very sympathetic uh, 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 villain, like very sympathetic. He's scary as crap, too. I mean, just <laughs> Christian Bell is just amazing, amazing. But he ends up being a fully redeemed villain. At the end of it, he gives over essentially to love. And the idea that my, I can make sure, I, I can extend my love, which was you know, the relationship between grief and love is a very strongly knit relationship. I mean, there's no grief, there's no love to start with in general. And so I really love that he's, uh, I tell you what, as if once wasn't enough, another another sanitation cleanup. Like like, just in case y'all didn't get the commentary about having the the porta potty cleanup come by, we're gonna do it again. So that anyway, that's my that's kind of my thought. I think it's a great observation. It's good shit. Uh, he said what they're really saying is good shit, and I kind of like that. I really. Uh, Speaking of redemption, thank you for redeeming. That's a good motto for a show, isn't it? <laughs> good shit. Maybe we need to rebrand. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. I love that thought too about. We give bottles a good shit. We try to provide good shit. That's right. That's right. I love it. We do our best. You've got a question. Okay, as you're coming up, let me just say, I, I love that thought of Christian theology, and I love that thought about Christian Bale as a redeemable character, because you're right, Mark, that he is 100% relatable, right? That God lets his daughter die and says, uh, what's your point but suffering? What is your point but suffering? Right, right. That's what God tells him after his daughter just dies. Right, after his daughter just dies. Why didn't you save us? What's the point of if it's not suffering, right? Which is Christian theology, American Christian theology, conservative Christian theology. Churchianity. Churchianity. What, what is the point of theology? Hmm? That life is suffering kind of thing. There, there is a bit of that. Yeah, and I think the point of Buddhism is to kind of let go, to acknowledge that life is suffering as a, a process of letting go of your attachment to what you're holding on to in this world. And I think Christian theology, though, is like hanging on to the idea that life is suffering because, you know, the, the Christians, uh, yeah, original sin and the idea of atonement that Jesus is dying for, you know, for all of our sins. I think that's very harmful theology that all of us are involved in suffering. And uh, I, I really don't think that's the authentic message of Christianity. I think it's really about God loving us. So you've got a question, and I want to hear it. questions coming up. Yeah. Okay. I, I love those questions coming up because I might have to I get, get to avoid his question. <laughs> so far, you guys have That's not right. looked We're stupid at all. We're trying to make all. each other. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, I don't want to complain, but you know. Right. Well, we'll try. <laughs> we might have looked stupid, not not have looked stupid so far, but now everyone here is counting on you to to take care. Okay. Of it. I'm not. I'm not yeah. after that, really. 
First of all, I think it's amazing that there is such a thing as a movie that takes on theodicy and really delves right? into it. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, don't, I can't think of another movie that has. The second question, how do you react to, I'm not a Twitter person, yeah. I'm not a Marvel person, I'm too old to be a nerd. <laughs> you know? you're, you're never I'm, too old to be a nerd. I'm too, I know, I know. I'm nerdy about other things, but... Good, good. Okay. It's not Marvel. However, what do you? How do you respond to the Thor can't be a chick? You know, uh, oh, yeah. you know, d d you know, and then and then her death is a self-sacrificial yeah. moment. It's a cross it moment. It's theological. So, yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so I mean, I think this is something that we see in patriarchy across the United States, not just in like Christian churches, but we see it. Uh, in patriarchy in the United States in general, that we want to say that, oh, uh, you know, uh, women can't can't do such and such. And I mean, we've seen this, of course, in recent Supreme Court decisions and even recent Supreme Court appointments, which has been tragic and terrible. But uh, we continue to see this in churches as well, as people say that, you know, uh, women aren't able to do theology in the same way, which just isn't true. You know, uh, a lot of times theology can do, uh, women can do theology better than I we so. can. I think a lot of times. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. Like, th th his point of women can do theology better. So, God is creator, right? Mm -hmm. When was the lifetime a man actually had a heavy involvement in being a creator of life? I mean, there is some involvement, but it's not. So, it'd be absolutely ridiculous to not think that a, a, the woman's, a woman's life would not lend some insight into God that a man could never completely get to, right? That's right, absolutely. And so, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, like this Sunday is Pride in San Diego. And so one of the comments I made to the congregation is that God is gay, God is lesbian, God is bi, God is trans, God is cis, God is straight. God is all of those things because each and every one of us is created in the divine image, including women, right? That women are created in the divine image. And so anytime that we proclaim something other than that, we are speaking heresy. And so it's incredible that churches speak this over and over again. I mean, churches who are, you know, declaring that women are not worthy are actually being heretical. And that's terrible. Yeah. I, think, I think we have another question, this time from our host. This is fantastic. All right. And I need, I need to say, I need to say, I think Caleb nailed that question. So now yes. it's all okay. resting on you to make us look wow. stupid. Wow. I should have had my wife come up and do that. <laughs> Uh, You're probably right. First statement, right. remember, the Prince's Bride. Yes. Life mm -hmm. is suffering. Anyone who tells you different is selling something. Is selling something. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, in my tradition, the corollary with redemption is forgiveness. Yes. And that is, they, they go together, that there's no redemption without the forgiveness. And we spend, and I think in all of our traditions, a good deal of our life, seeking the forgiveness of God. Mm. Gore the God Slayer has the opportunity to forgive the gods, but doesn't. Yes. So the question is, in our theology, we know that we want God to forgive us, but is there a place for us to forgive God? Ooh, that's, a uh, that's a great question. Great question. In, in our theology, is there a place for us to forgive God? So here's, I, I, I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to cheat on this a little bit. And, here, and here's why. The only reason we need to be able to forgive God is that we've bought into false ideas about God. So I don't think that we need to be able to forgive God because my understanding of who God is, of this love, of this connective energy that's in each of us, it's in everything, it connects us all, it's in every moment. That thing, if we understand it and, and, and access it, really doesn't need forgiveness because it's pure love. It's pure love. What we have to learn to do is forgive our previous understandings of God so that we can advance in our relationship. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what to do except snap for Mark, right? Like, like that's the answer, right? God is love. And um, if, if we're viewing God in a way that uh, is different than that, 
we're we're having an, an authentic view of God. And so I'm with you, Mark. I think you're 100% right. So you've got one well, more just, question. I, no, Last not a question. question. I just, maybe we yeah. have to forgive those who taught us that previous understanding of God. Ah, that's, now that's good. Now that's, that's good because, right, because the church does a ton of harmful theology. The church does a lot of theology that teaches uh, teaches us that we ought to be um, hating others, right? Not only not accepting others, but really hating others. And um, a lot of the a lot of the forgiveness that we need is towards those who have uh, preceded us in the church that have taught us that we need to do that kind of love. And so I do think that, and I think Mark and I have talked about forgiveness quite a bit, uh, you know, and we agree that. The main point of forgiveness is that if we don't forgive, if we hold on to anger and resentment, that it hurts us. It doesn't hurt anyone else but us. And so the main point when Jesus is talking about forgiveness, he's talking about letting our own spirits um, free and our own spirits uh, flourish. And so I think that one of the main reasons that we need to forgive is so that we can flourish as, as human beings. And, uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think it was beautifully put. We're going to have time for one more question. We're going to try to answer it quickly because we've twice promised our podcast listeners about another question that we have to get to. It's just one more after okay. yours. But, but not, please ask your question. It's not complete unless you feel stupid. <laughs> That's right. We've got <laughs> to feel stupid. And you, did uh, you notice Mark handed me the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and stupid <laughs> Caleb. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to help both of you. Excellent. Okay, uh, I good. like this idea of the forgiveness of God yeah, and yeah. Uh, the great great psychologist Carl Jung yeah. wrote Answer to Job in which he suggests any father, divine father that would sacrifice yeah. his child yeah. has not evolved completely on the line mm-hmm. of yeah. unconditional love. Yeah. And part of his solution, I wonder what you think about this, yeah. is that as human beings, part of our job is to help God become more conscious. Oh, I love that question, and I love that thought from Carl Jung that uh, that it's not just God's responsibility; that it is our responsibility as well. As well, and so I think that's one hundred percent true. That you know, if we agree that it is on us to help create this kingdom of God, that it is not just all on God, and so that's what a lot of conservative Christians would have you believe. That it is all on God to create this wonderful uh, utopia, but it's not right. It's on us to help. Uh, Jesus' teaching pretty much told us that, right? He did. Yeah, Jesus' teaching one hundred percent told us that that we are called to love our neighbor and that we are called to treat each other with respect and hospitality and compassion and love in the here and now. And so, the only way that God can ever accomplish that kingdom of God is if we get to work in the world creating that love and hospitality hospitality and compassion and love so uh do you have a thought on that as well uh, I, I think you did a fantastic job answering that uh thanks for trying to make us look stupid that was the closest you came as close like if it weren't if it wasn't for caleb i'd be sitting up here looking stupid right now I'd be like oh that's a damn good question i don't know uh, <laughs> all right so the one question caleb that i turn back to you because we've promised our listeners this twice already is and it's a kind of a couple of part questions. So I'm going to ask you to try to be you focused because I know. Well, it gives me a second yeah. chance to make you look stupid, and I love that. So, how did Jane end up in Valhalla? And then I'm going to come back with with because one, she's not Asgardian, and two, she didn't die in battle. Yeah. Okay. So this is my favorite quote in the in the movie. I think because it speaks volumes on Christian theology, right? Thor says, Hey, you're all as guardian children. You're all going to end up in Valhalla. And they all come forward and they're like, we're not as good. Yeah. I'm not as good. Right. Right. And so, uh, they're not going to end up in Valhalla. And even for the ones who are, it's not a particularly comforting thought. Right. And this is, uh, uh, a metaphor for Christianity who um, says over and over again that you are going to end up in heaven. Don't worry about anything. You're going to end up in heaven. And I think that this is uh, terrible theology, right? And so um, I think the way that Jane ends up on, in Valhalla, in the uh, movie at least, is that she does sacrifice her life for the universe, 
right? Okay, you've got to come back to that. Side. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. She sacrifices herself for the universe. She yeah, sacrifices herself for this child. But listen. Okay, tell me. Thor, yeah. in, in, I don't remember if it was Ragnarok or the one before, yeah. s- says that you go to Valhalla uh-huh. when you've lived your life for a glorious cause. And I kind of feel like that's why she ends up in Baja. But I also feel like, and this is this is the redeemable part of her storyline for me, because I did hate that they killed off this incredible female yeah, hero. Yeah. I, I think what we're going to see, because of how she ends up there, is that probably Odin or someone is going to create a Valkyrie out of her, and that we're going to see her become the mighty Thor, and we're probably going to get a lot more from her, which I think is incredible. And that redemption story for me is one of the themes of, of, of any good theology is that redemption is always available. Even when we feel like there is an ending, there's the opportunity for new beginnings. I love that. And that's incredibly theological. Thank you, Mark. That's wonderful. And thank you to all of you for being with us today. And thanks to all of you who completed your Hammer of Thor. I hope that all of you will come up after the show and grab a shirt if you don't have one already. We'd love to have you here. Yes. Uh, Finish your drink. I've already finished mine. But uh, (laughs) thank you, Mark. Yes. The Moonshine Jesus Show. Thank you all. Thank you all all so much. Appreciate it. Check us out on Facebook and anywhere you get your podcast, Moonshine Jesus Show. Uh, There's more beer. There's more koozies. There's more drinks. Come and enjoy any part that you like.